three, two, one. one. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder when we're in the same chair here. Well, I have heard that we need like a secret handshake or something, so we'll have to work on that. Yes. Anyway, oh wow, you're going to get to see the dynamics between <laughs> radio and Bonnie. Bonnie just told radio, you cannot get on this sofa. This is my space. Anyway, welcome to Up for Discussion. We've got a little bit of change of scenery today, and... Um, you know, we've been traveling quite a bit and we're gone the last four or five days. So we're sorry that we missed last week. Um, we didn't want to miss another week, even though we're about to go out of town again. So we are recording this early. It is actually Tuesday evening right now. And Johnny just this afternoon did um, Elijah Streams live. So if he looks a little, you know, chill it's because he's been working super hard today and I managed to just squeeze a little bit more out of him um, so I'm gonna take a little bit of the lead tonight and um, set the the agenda for our discussion and sounds good yeah so he said okay about that and this is something that's just been stirring in my heart for a while now honestly um, just like everything else we talk about, it's not meant to be exclusive. Um, if you hear noise, it's radio down on the floor rubbing his back. Maybe you should come up here, buddy. Um, and, you know, so the topic tonight is how do we love the next generation well? And I am praying and our goal is that we would have this just be a giant pep talk. Um, for several reasons, that your hearts would be encouraged and filled with hope when you think about and when you interact with the younger end of our generation, and that you would um, leave maybe with some, some ideas that you haven't thought of before about them and about how we can each position ourselves um, in a healthier more productive place, a role in their lives collectively and then individually with, with the young adults that are in, in our lives. So I wanted to um, start by praying for this time together. Radio, are you going to come up here? <laughs> All right, come on. What I always say about our dogs is that they're so ugly, they're cute. So um, in case you haven't met them before, this is Bonnie. This is Bonnie, and she's very special. She was found by our youngest daughter on the streets of downtown L.A. She is um, a street fighter, really. She thinks she can just take any dog out in the neighborhood that's like... She challenges any size, any dog, but she couldn't hurt them at all. But she sure can sound mean. It's true. And who do you have here? We have radio, and... Radio is <laughs> about like his name. <laughs> he's got his own challenges. He goes back in and out of FM and AM and not sure about all his processing sometimes, but they're cute, loyal dogs. They are, so especially because we give them 
T-R-E-A-T-S's all the time. Yeah, they're loyal really to like food. It. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, let's um, pray. I just feel to pray uh, over this time together. Father, we want your heart for um, the young adults in our lives, in our generation. We want to come up higher and see from your perspective. And we want to encounter your desires and your plans for them as a generation. And we want to um, be equipped and inspired to learn how to love them and love them well. So we just invite you into this discussion and we invite you into um, wherever each one of us are as we're listening and processing this. Um, change us. Give us your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. That is not going to be okay with me. The dog... Loves Johnny so much, he just like licks him nonstop. And I'm one of those hey, like sensory people, like smacking <laughs> food or that kind of thing. He's just like, listen, we got to cut that out, okay? No more licking. You're not ready for prime time yet, apparently. <laughs> you need to stay on radio. <laughs> See, that's a pretty good joke. <laughs> You're using all your dad jokes tonight. All right, so I I did a little research. While you were up here and I was downstairs, I made a phone call to some young adults and I asked them some questions. They will remain nameless, um, but I was really interested to hear how they might answer some of the questions that I'm going to ask you. Okay. So I think before I give their and answers, I have no idea. I'm going to ask you some some questions first. But um, so one of one of the things that I think is true about every single generation, and when you talk about a generation, I know technically you're talking about like a 40-year span, who I'm thinking of in this discussion for our purposes are basically like, um, you know, we're in our 50s, 60s, and our our personal children who aren't, that's not really who I'm gearing this towards tonight, but definitely our experiences with them will play into our perspectives but even more broadly than that. But our kids, for example, are, are from like uh, born in the late 80s, 90s, early 90s to 2000. 2000. And so kind of that's a little bit of what I'm thinking, but it's certainly not. So I'm just going to keep it really broad in general. Just say the younger end of our generation. So um, when when I think of the younger end of our generation, like every other generation, our generation, our parents' generation, our weakness is our strength and our strength is our weakness. And I think every generation, generally speaking, has a few things that are their weakness, but that were actually meant to be their strength. And depending on how the process goes and, and the them yielding to what God is doing in their generation, it becomes literally their strength. Mm -hmm. So when you think about kind of that, uh, the young adults in, in our generation, what do you feel like are some of the, the weaknesses that God is, um, has them in process of becoming their strengths? Well, yeah, there is this, like, like the flip side of the coin, there's, on the one hand, it's this, but on the other hand, it's that. And so this 
um, I don't know if we just look at it, call them the millennials, uh, the, the next generation after us in some way. Like you said, there's a lot of give here. It, you know, they're kind of um, they're kind of thought of, and probably even books being written on it, and as being more of a fragile, soft generation, and and depending on if there is a real negative view on that, there's like a, they don't have resolve to press in and do anything. They're eh, it can even be considered a bit um, uh, spoiled and just entitled entitled and and yet if again the flip side of the coin it's appropriately said what you're saying is that what could be a, a, a what looks like a weakness there is a strength and what looks like a strength there's a weakness and so they they definitely seem to be wired in a more sensitive way mm-hmm. and so in that uh, in the millennials being wired in a more sensitive way it really is an on-ramp for God to do things that he can't do with those who have a little bit more of that tough skin resolve. We're going to just go on through. We don't, we don't get knocked out easily by the certain questions. So they, I think they demand um, more satisfactory answers before moving forward and embracing just what the previous generation did or will do. You can apply it to church or church going or even, I think what's been shocking for our generation is the traditions, even Christian traditions, that they don't just readily accept them. They, they challenge them based on their perception and their feeling in a lot of way. Mm-hmm. And so, and there's, a, a, there's for sure a downside to that, but they also, in that, begin demanding a a better one a different wineskin so i don't know those are some initial thoughts on it yeah that's good so um the young adults that i spoke to um one was a male and one was a female um they felt like there's a couple of answers related to the strength and the weakness part so um the strength and weakness one of them said was just the desire to be heard you know, for their voice to be heard. And so maybe the downside of that is that they're extremely opinionated, very outspoken, um, you know, like the, um, they use the example of the protests and um, just, you know, a lot of anger coming out and the use of social media to just demand that people be accepted and loved no matter what. Um, and I mean, it's obvious to see that the, the good side of that is, um, they do need to be heard. Their voices do matter and their opinions, I think are going to be super important in the long run to where our nation needs to go and where the nations of the world need to go. Um, another answer that they gave was, that this is a generation that refuses to just accept the normal pace of we've got to go to college, get into debt, 
so that we can work nine to five and and that's it and cap off at a certain salary. Kind of what I was saying that what seems to be the traditions, the way of doing mm-hmm. things. There's like why. Yes, and, and, that would be an example for yeah. sure of that. And that that what they're really wanting, which I thought was very insightful for them to say, is that what they're really wanting is is purpose. They're wanting to know like have their work, what they do, be what they love and what they're passionate about. And so I think that they're really wired to be a generation of reformers um, who actually care about the things that God cares about. Um, But I think part of their weakness that is actually can be a strength, part of their weakness is because They've been so, um, we have failed them in education, in terms of education, and there's been such an agenda driven into the education system that one of the things that is seriously lacking for many years now, honestly, is, um, maybe there's a better way to say this, but reasoning, logic, um, what would that be? It's, it actually was a subject in school, and I can't remember the name of it. When you learn how to kind of weigh things and... Well, they'll get accused of not applying regular common sense is look, if they're looked in a disdainful way. And, and so the processing is... Uh, their, their foundation for processing is just a different than, we'll say, our generation. And, and, uh, and again, I think part of it is they are they were made for such a time as this in that this is uh, this is both the time where the enemy is attempting to do a world reset that takes advantage that manipulates and takes advantage of the weakness or fragility part of who they are and yet in the lord's equation they are more readily wired for reformation because mm-hmm. reformation in it in the word itself it's tell, telling you that they're looking for a change mm-hmm. you don't have a, a generation of those who want to maintain status quo and say hey you know we're doing great we've been great we just want to you know carry that a little bit to the next generation that's not a uh, that's not a reformer mindset that's not those that are for reformation so yeah they look at i think they have looked at we'll say our generation the generation of their parents the millennials have and and they're like why why do all the things they expect me to do and just end up like them and in some ways what can seem while they can be accused of not having common sense it's it's very practical sense to say if we just follow in what you're doing then we're just going to look like you so it's it is very sensical in its in its own way I think of it, I would say that same thing, maybe just a little different in that anything is possible. So when anything's possible, the the downside of that is I can identify as a man if I'm a woman, or I can identify as a dog when I'm actually a girl, you know, like I'm a, what do they say? I'm a furry or whatever. There, there's like anything is possible because all logic and reason, I'm, I'm giving a very extreme example and I'm not trying to pigeonhole 
all of a whole generation into what I'm saying, I promise. But the flip side of that is anything is possible. You know, they are wired for anything is possible. Um, and that they, they're throwing off restraints. I think every generation throws off some level of restraints that they have felt from the previous generation. That's true. Um, but the one that the restraints they seem to be throwing off the most is related to identity. And, you know, I think sometimes the thing that you fight the most is the thing that you're actually craving the most subconsciously. And I, I, I think this generation, generally speaking, part of their weakness is a lack of identity, like a lack of purpose and a lack of identity. And we take responsibility for that. Like we have to take responsibility for that. It's our generation that has allowed their identity to, to either be stolen from them or not invested in them. It just happened right under our noses. But the flip good side of that is they are they are hungry to know who they are. And I believe God is about to speak um, in such a profound way to this generation. But we'll, we'll get to the good stuff well, in a moment. Let me, let me speak in the thing of identity because... Yeah. I think that's true, but I'll be more personal with even the responsibility to say that's our fault. You said that they don't have sense of identity. It's the church's fault because, again, just passing on generation after generation, the the church um, was dogma and the church, even as they teach on identity, they'll know the leaders from our generation, yes, the identity, they don't know who they are. And so they're just teaching in Christ, you are this and this, and you're an overcomer and you're, uh, you know, a whole bunch of scriptures come out, but it's still, it's theoretical who you are in identity. And this is where I- Kind of spiritual without landing it. Exactly. So this is where I'll connect to our message, the seven mountain mandate that actually gives purpose to the 100%, you know, as part of our- my opening talking points is when I'm speaking to a church is only 3% of them will ever have a traditional call, uh, a traditional ministry call to the mountain of religion, whether either they're going to pastors, youth pastors, missionaries, evangelists, whatever. It's a maximum of 3%. So 97% have a, a different call. And so we have not known how to uh, teach. We're just starting to do and how to explain how to bring this new paradigm that they have identity in who God wired them to be. If they're creative, it's not just suppress creativity and try to find a ministerial role. Mm -hmm. It's There is an assignment, we'll say, on the Mountain of Arts and Entertainment you might have. If you're a communicator um, and all kinds of ways of communicating, social media, et cetera, et cetera. There are ways for that to happen, Mountain of Media. And there's a governmental call that's not to be considered secular. So I think we have done, done them a great disservice by not giving them real yeah. Identity options. It's yeah. theoretical um, perspectives. Uh, and they're real in their own way. There's some level of breakthrough in, in that kind of identity. Which connects but, to, to the comment that the young adult that I spoke to said is we don't want the nine to five just for the salary. Like we want to do yeah. what we're passionate about. And that is, that's, that's that desire for what you're talking about. They're wired for reformation. 
to be involved, not just to have a career or to make money, but to actually make a difference. And so obvious, um, uh, you know, reported realities from that next generation is they're deferring, delaying, uh, say it however you want, on making career choices. And there is like our generation is more, hey, you need to kind of be on it by 21, 22, uh, 20 if better is better and know what you're going to do. And and so it's like 30 and 35 sometimes. And still, uh, they want to give themselves much more freedom to ex themselves to explore, to travel, to find out what they what they really want to do. Mm -hmm. And so that that strikes our generation as foolishness you're not preparing right but honestly in a if you just can look objectively with the projection of length uh, uh, of longevity which is supposed to be more whoever's born now is supposed to live minimum 100 years old and some saying 100 120 if these breakthroughs keep we can get them past the vaccine yeah if we can get the killing stopped and it'll it'll be more so that they have more years anyway so you think of yeah we had to get it down our in ours and previous generations you got to know you got to be on it and 20 you don't have time to take off and spend five ten years exploring and finding out who you are and 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 kind of scratching that itch it's a little bit of a um it is part, kind of a poverty mentality to think and be locked in that that you got to get right on it you don't have time to waste and so then we see our generation kind of obsesses with the next generation. They're just off schedule on everything. They're um, we accuse them of we that. accuse in, in our our perception. Yeah, they're not being married on time. They're not having the grandkids on time. They're not having the breakthroughs in in. They're living with the, us longer and, and needing and, us more. <laughs> and and all that. And but they're still kind of um, who they're going to become is still. It's a big question mark. They haven't lived long long enough to know that that's necessarily a downside they're processing. And especially, again, we do, yeah, we need a, a God view and a God visitation in the midst of all this to really make it uh, something special. Mm -hmm. But I think what we both recognize is that beyond, uh, beyond the accusations that are made against the, this generation, we can see, you know, that could really, the flip side of that, is that this could really just run right into, uh, you know, just uh, the best case scenario for what the Lord is sending in, who they are. They're they're not going to be the heart. Um, if God, because we want to think of being reformers, is we're responding to the reform for God Himself. This is initiated by Him. If He's coming in with a reform mindedness, and we're like no traditionalists. That's the worst combination possible. If he's trying to reform a generation and the generation comes in strong as traditionalists, that's that's not going to work. And so you have to have that opening into a generation that says, hey, we don't necessarily want to just do this the way things have been. So then they become open for what God is coming in with. Well said. You know, one last potential um, weakness, strength that I'll highlight and then I'll move on to the next question but uh, is this, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it early on. You were saying that they, they don't want to just accept something because they were taught it. They want to know why. And I would say that specifically spiritually, and I, 
I'm, I'm not a statistics person, so I don't know if this is right, but I sense that there are more, um, more young adults that are not believers from Christian families that were raised in Christian families, even spirit-filled families, um, maybe than past generations. And, you know, there's an aspect to that that is like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, I feel like in a way it's really good, number one, because it's a generation of young adults that when they surrender to the Lord, when they have encounters with God, they will own it because they experienced it for themselves, not because they were just accepted whatever faith they were raised in. And, you know, there's a good and a bad to that. I think that there, there's an easier way when you do it God's way from as young as possible. Um, but I don't think God is worried about us finding the easier way. He wants what will position our souls for all of eternity, um, you know, with him. And so I see the patience of God with this generation. And it's forced us to take our take inventory ourselves as the older end of the generation to like, wait a second, how, what, what did we present to them that was not something that they could receive? Like, what do we need to throw out and whittle our faith and our, our um, expression of, of God, of what it means to follow Jesus and what's missing that didn't allow them to recognize Christ for themselves from a young age that made them feel like they had to just own someone else's, you know, what their parents taught them. That's good. You know, there's, there is also, of course, we'll say our generation, whatever, there's a, a great desire um, and a repeatedly stated desire for what is revival, harvest, the harvest and, and this word harvest is is used a lot. And I think sometimes what our generation has missed that there has to be a, a bridge into the harvest. And we find there's there's an aspects of what's going on now is is repeat in some ways to the 60s, the whole Jesus movement and all that kind of stuff, where there was an amazing harvest. The church didn't actually want them. Um, they may have theoretically wanted revival, but they did not want they did not want hippies. They did not want um, young people that struggled with relationships and were already out of out of the bounds, uh, coloring outside the lines uh, by far in what they allowed um, morally, and sexually, and experimentally what they were. Willing. They were so legalistic that they couldn't receive them like they were. They couldn't receive them like they, they were. And again, it's not about dumbing down what Christianity is, but there is, you know, just as you are, is the way it is. Jesus takes us the way we are, not the way we're going to be. It's like, well, when you get to where you're supposed to be, then I'll receive you. No. So what's similar <clears throat> right now, I think, is um, what I've noted is is just because of what you mentioned, this, we'll say the struggles of the next generation, even among ministers and and 
uh, worldwide. We've been everywhere. And, and there's the shocking thing. Pastors, kids, ministers, kids, is so many are either in um, reconstruction, deconstruction um, of their faith. And so where they're making choices to, you know, uh, to the degree they, I don't, I don't want to cover all the bases what it is, but they're, back to what you said as well, challenging status quo, even thoughts and doctrines about Jesus and scripture and all that kind of stuff. And, and so there is what it's done. I think like, for instance, when I was a kid and the conversation I would hear in our family and the people, it was much easier to think us versus them, us versus the world. And so that's the world. And so there's what's being worldly and us, and there was this gap between us, we'll say in the harvest even, because you're harvesting that which has not yet been harvested. So it's it's the new souls. And we find out with our next generation, they're, who they are is part of that, the world, them. And so all of a sudden we've had this them gap has been greatly reduced and it's just now our family. It's not the world we're trying to reach. We're trying to reach our family. Mm -hmm. And so you can see, I won't say that the Lord caused them to be this, um, uh, you know, weak and, and compromised in order for that to happen because that's not his perspective at all. But there's some way he had to begin to make this bridge even with this generation, this harvest generation that's supposed to come in. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. I do. So let me ask this question. What is the enemy, what do you feel the enemy is trying to stop or prevent them from as a generation? Well, in a very obvious way, he's trying to stop them from fulfilling who they're called to be. And, uh, you know, he's trying to sabotage their faith. He's trying to keep them from being the instruments of bringing God's kingdom in the next level on planet Earth. Do you see a specific anointing or call or purpose on this generation that they haven't stepped into yet? Speaking just collectively, that that is the thing that's being warred against. I don't... I. I don't know. I have to process this. Maybe it'll come out in what I'm what I'm saying. I don't know if there's one thing specifically. I think their willingness to think outside the normal framework allows God to bring in aspects of Himself that He, you know, hitherto have not been really revealed to to the world. And so, even stuff that we we keep presenting as we talk about, you know seven aspects of who God is, the seven mountains, God is communicator, God is creative, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think in some ways that message, we find that resonates strongly with um, that next generation, what we call it, mm -hmm. millennial generation, that they can be whoever God made them to be. If they're, whether they're, if they're creative, they don't have to try to figure how to make that happen in church. If they're more civic minded. They don't have to try to figure out how to make that happen in church. It doesn't mean you leave church, but a church is supposed to be encouraging that and equipping them for that. And, and so, um, I think that in, in, in a way they're much, um, more wired to be 
uh, what we're preaching to, uh, which is reformers, back to that, that mm-hmm. thing again. And so it, I think it's about the full spectrum of who God is being able to be re- released into society. But first of all, we have to have, again, I think there's been such this little niche of our generation and previous generations. It's like people got to get saved. Just souls, 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 people get saved. And there's like this expanded understanding that he has to be revealed in all the ways that he is. And I think they, if there's something the enemy would like to sabotage, miscarry, is is those who really are wired to to do that and and ready to uh, discover who they are in that kind of way and reveal it to the world. He, he, He would like to shut down their faith entirely be so, um, you know, thrown off by who God is, uh, who God has been projected to be to them, that they're, they're not in partnership in God with this. They're just running off and, well, I don't know about that. It's too complicated for, for, for me, but I want to be involved in arts. I want to be involved in the creative stuff. I want to be involved in whether it's government or business and et cetera, et cetera, and not seeing the partnership with with God in it. Good stuff. Um, can I share what, what I'm sensing? Yeah. yeah. I, I sense that in a similar way that maybe if you had asked me as a child, like, did I think that there would be a whole generation of, um, Middle Eastern Muslims that would have across the board, like tons of them having, encounters with Jesus Mm. in their dreams and him showing up to them in person, like a movement of that. I would have said, no, like that would be incredible. That would be like impossible. Only God could do that. I feel like we're going to look back on this generation that is, that is uh, coming into adulthood now. They are going to be ones that generally speaking across the board, they are going to be a generation of ones who have encounters like like it's going to be the norm mm. to say um yeah that's how i met jesus i met jesus like across the board that and i believe we are right on the edge and i'm i think we're all just horrible with timing you know who knows what it feels like soon but what is sin with god you know i don't know but i i i do i sense that there's a supernatural yeah like a pinata of of just encounters that's just about to be hit and just break open over them as a generation. Yeah. And I believe we are going to be dumbfounded at what comes out of them. Come on. Um, I also believe, similar to what you're saying, I was just hearing it this way, um, that they are a generation of problem solvers that because of what we currently see sometimes as a weakness, the lack of logic and anything's possible, they're literally going to go into um, situations, issues, problems that that will become more and more understood and clear. Um, the diagnosis, so to speak, will be there for society, but they will have the solutions, not because they've been trained in it and all their lives they've prepared for it, but because they are a, a generation of ones who've had encounters, that that will be a norm for them to just 
I just get it from God. Just get it from God. Like it's, it's just going to be a thing for them. Um, they love authenticity. Mm -hmm. They love authenticity. I was shocked. Um, we recently went to Justin Bieber's concert. And we got treated to that and we're able to take some of our kids to it. And um, it was so fun to see the shift from, I don't know, maybe we saw one of his first concerts early on. It was just yeah. all about the smoke and the, you know, the light the show. show. And, you know, it was, it was such a grand spectacle, right? And everything was choreographed with the lights and the dance and the stage design and coming in on things that floated through the air. And it was just crazy to now this concert was Had very well that, done, but, yeah. very excellent, but it was very authentic. Like just, you know, sitting behind a piano in the middle of the stage and very little went into the production part of it, um, in the way that I just described it, it was more just, just raw, you know, um, there was probably a lot less dance, but the dance that was incorporated into, to the concert was, um, I don't even know how to explain it. It just, it was, it was less flashy, you know? Um, now some of you might not agree with me. I'm just giving you my perspective, but in that I saw, that this generation, they just, it's, they're getting back to a little bit more of the basics. Well, tied into that, and I'll be careful how we say it, we don't want to expose who these people are. Um, there's a couple of young people in recent weeks that we took them to two different churches. And one was just the perfect worship setting um, and, and, but everything fully choreographed and loud and perfect, um, at a church. And, and then there was going to the next time to something that wasn't as, we'll just say there's more flow, more pause, more flow, more spontaneity, more responding to the wind. Yeah. And no lights, nothing, <clears throat> nothing choreographed or. And so these, in that way. these early 20-somethings, they were like, they did not like the first one. Where it was loud and And they, they liked, yeah. and, but specifically because of the authenticity. They liked the authenticity, the lack of ostentatiousness. That seems to be uh, something uh, about them, uh, mm -hmm. about this generation, whether we call them the millennial or whatever. That is... Uh, uh, it's hard to talk about these generations, we understand, because even, uh, you know, we have daughters that are like three years apart, and they'll be like, uh, we, we have opposites, yeah. generations within generations. They're like, they have a generational gap between three years, and they fully admit that. So, but there still seems to be some, um, some overlapping uh, realities that we can, we can find with them. And I think that's, that is um, something that the Lord's really wanting to use is that that um, that desire for authenticity. They want, and this is something that's normal in the, the generations, maybe stronger at this time. Is this? I don't want to be part of a judgmental um, generation. 
And so, again, the way the enemy has used, perhaps even hijacked that, is in, in, in validating everything. There's no standard um, because, you know, even if there is an agenda from the enemy that's trying to advance what is just distortion of gender and everything else like that, there is like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to be hard on any particular uh, group. There's it's, like a passivity because there's such a desire for inclusivity. They, they don't want anybody to be left out. Um, so they'd rather not confront on the one hand, but they want their voice to be heard. So it comes across a little hypocritical because they kind of want to, again, generally speaking, kind of bury their head in the sand. I don't want to hear what all's going on. But, but, but when it's a subject that makes them feel like someone is being mistreated or left out, not accepted, then they've got all kinds of things to say. But they're not saying them in the context of the bigger picture of the agenda and things that are going on and history. and Well, we'll say this way. There's like, because there's this tendency in this, if you want to call it generational gift, it's, we're saying the same thing, trying to kind of find different words for it, mm -hmm. uh, of mercy. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a, a mercy wiring yes, yes. that they'll, there'll be a tendency, the way the enemy hijacks that is to have mercy on things that God is not sanctioning. So there's a way God works with that mm -hmm. so yeah. that we stop judging and, and making outcasts of, of those that are not supposed to be outcasts. Yeah. But it, it can, it, it will expand. It's like spreading the peanut butter too far. <laughs> right. And, and so it's, it's the right peanut butter, but it's, if it's not a God-sanctioned, and the way you know it's not a, a, a God-sanctioned mercy is when you're having mercy on that which God is resisting. Some might say what God is judging. Unsanctified mercy is having mercy on that which God is, uh, is judging. And by judging, again, that word will trigger things as well. It just means he's not releasing blessings on it. There's no grace and favor, favor on it. So anyway. Okay. Yeah. So another question, um, that I asked, uh, these young people was, um, what do you need from us? What, oh. what do you need our generation to understand about you? Good question. And what, how can we serve you? What do you need from us? Oh, and, well, um, I well. can share the answers or we can ask you first. What do you No. What do they say? I want to hear this. Yeah, so one of the things was just don't assume the worst of us. Oh, there you go. You know, and I, I mean, that really touched my heart because that means that that they are tempted to believe that we think the worst of them. And, and I, I, I think we're guilty of that sometimes. We have to remember that love and fear cannot exist in the same space. They are polar opposites. It's kind of like light and dark, you know, light and darkness. They don't, they're not in the same space. So when we are afraid, we are not capable of loving. And I think we have to ask ourselves when, you know, and again, love doesn't always look like mushy, sweet, telling somebody only what they want to hear. You can, you can speak the truth and it be motivated and encased in love or you can speak the truth and it be motivated by hatred fear 
um, and be encased in, in anger. So if, if we are truly loving this generation, then there is no room for fear, which means we actually have to trust God with them. We actually have to trust God with them because what's true for one can be true for the whole, right? For the part, for the whole. Okay, so this is easier to see on an individual basis here, but you see how to say this. If I, um, if I am trusting the Lord with someone, then it means I'm accepting the fact that I wasn't perfect in, um, let me speak as a parent, okay? I'm trusting the Lord with my own children. They're all in different stages in their relationships with God, in their relationships with us, their relationships with their spouses or boyfriends. Um, we've got one grandson and another another child grandson on the way. I was trying to hesitate because I couldn't remember if Justice had if you're said, allowed, if you're allowed we're to having say. a grandson, another one. Um, so anyway, they all have relationships among each other as well. And in that place, we're having to love them each where they are, trust God with them where they are, trust that he actually gave them to us, not because God thought that we would be perfect parents. So here's the correlation. God gave us as an older generation, this next generation, the call that's on them collectively, he gave them to us. Not because he thought we would be perfect with them, but because he knew we would love them through their process to get where God is taking them as a generation while we're still figuring it out for ourselves at the same time, because <laughs> we haven't arrived yet either. And so, you know, how, how does he want us to love them? First of all, I think it starts with what they requested here. Don't assume the worst of them. Another thing that they said is, this one really touched me too. Wow. Teach us better morals. They want to know, how do we do this the right way? Like, give us some boundaries. You know, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of morals. That's what I, you know, morals means like there's a right and there's a wrong. There's good and there's evil. And there's a time to do this and there's a time to not do this, right? Just, just the basics. Um, and so what does that look like for us, you know, as, as the older generation right now? How do we, because some of you may not even have kids of your own, you know, this is not just, in saying all this, I'm not even thinking of just our kids. I'm thinking more across the board because I, I interact with a lot of young adults, um, from people that are on our staff to, um, you know, everywhere you go out in public, there's young adults all over social media, there's young adults. So what, what do you think, what comes to your mind when you hear that? Not assuming the worst of them and how to give them better morals, practically speaking. Well, I think you were speaking into the first one and that's just, of course, uh, a big deal. 
there is a need to look with hopeful eyes and you know that's uh my mantra the caleb eyes caleb vision mm -hmm. you got to see what god's doing even in the midst of giants and so it doesn't assist in any way it doesn't help us go into any kind of promised land at all by only acknowledging the giants the challenges that are there but see what god is already doing what he has has for them and then help with the morals you know i think especially what we've seen is because there's the younger end of what we'll call the millennial over this next generation whatever and then there's the little bit older they they're they're not just early 20s or you know late teens early 20s mid 20s but 30 35 and they are now doing some self-assessing of their generation and going, man, we got a problem. And, and part of the, part of it is, you know, that that's worth just hearing if this was going to a millennial is that as you get a little older and wiser, um, you may realize the value that was in you challenging everything of the previous generation, but there's kind of overdoing it going overboard. And so, um, there is knocking out all foundations of structure and then all of a sudden realizing you're not uh, left with morals yeah. and, and it's, it is about even structure, even, you know, I think morals and structure, there's even hunger to have meals as a family and like routine, and routine and, 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 and traditions. And, yes. And, and not so much to, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to go and do things just for that. But I, I think probably what comes into that teach us morals is what are our sound, what is sound morality? Not just because it is the tradition, but because there is an explanation and understanding to it. That's probably another area we've been weak, been weak as a church. Well, the Bible says, and we can quote scripture, but we don't understand the processing behind even the things and the commandments God gives, there really is a reason for everything. And though, you know, it's probably the generation, my mom's dad's generation is because, because I said, so uh, we used it less than them. Um, and the next generation wants to hear that even less because I said, so they don't want, because I said, so they, they want, okay, we'll do it if it's right, but explain to us why, why that is better. And, and, and I think, um, number one, it's a good sign that there is a place of being hungry for it. And then that becomes, um, our, our part. It's inescapable in all this, Elizabeth, as we're talking about it all is, is the detrimental to mildly stated role that what we call the, the deep state, what they have done and how they have taken over the seven mountains, how they've taken over education and how they've um, programmed, brainwashed a whole generation, how they were finding these things out now, you know, Twitter, there, there's like the top 10 things that are listed there are not really the top 10 things. So you have the millennial generation assuming their peers think a certain way. Yeah. Not because it's true. Yeah. Not, and then the way social media is designed even the um, dopamine rush that comes from just swiping. I, I know that sounds crazy, but even our generation has experienced it. You're up till midnight because you can't stop swiping. You just get lost in social media world. But there, it does, it literally does something to your brain. 
and it, it causes your, your brain to not be able to focus the same way anymore. It affects mood. Um, it affects relationships because when all you know, like think about our generation, we grew up actually having to get on a telephone, you know, and you had to answer the phone. And if it wasn't for you, you had to put the phone down. You had to be nice to somebody you didn't know and put the phone down, go get the person that it was for and give it or take a message for them. There was so much more interacting with people, you know, and um, we were watching a, a movie called Avalon. Is that what it's called? Avalon. It's about this family that immigrated over from Europe, like in. I think I didn't see it all, but you did, so you'll have to uh, refer to your. You have to anyway, refer to yourself on this one. It's it. It just shows the progression of what happened. It's very exciting, but I did fall asleep. <laughs> oh, it, it's slow, but it, I was interested in the topic. That's why I said it's been stirring in me for a little while here. But it showed the progression of even just when the TV came into the home and Mm. they went from being a family, an extended family who they did everything together. You know, the grown sons with their wives, with their children and all the cousins together. And they would have meals around this giant table together. And, and then slowly just, just by bringing in the television, how they started leaving the table and they would sit and they're all facing this way and there's no interaction anymore. And, and it began to play out in their relationships and their their sense of loyalty to each other was undermined. And anyway, all that to and say... And now everyone has a personal handheld exactly. television. Exactly. It's all right here all the time, you know, on our wrist and in our hands. And the screens are just there constantly. I think we're going to see a mass exodus from this generation of young adults allowing their children to have screen time which really excites me even for my grandchildren because the thought of them actually going back to um, just the basics of the rhythm of having time and space to think and process and feel and then process what you're feeling rather than just numbing out with the very next immediate fix. Um, Let's see how we want to wind this up. So I'd like to just um, speak a few thoughts that I had on, you know, what are some practical ways that we can stay connected rather than disconnected from the young adult generation? I forgot to say one last thing that the, um, that the, the ones that I talked to answered what they need from us. And so this was the final, the third thing. One was um, don't assume the worst, teach us better morals. And the third thing was that they want respect. They want us to respect them. I think that's something that every generation wants from the older generation. And they said, um, you know, this thing of just the older ones saying you have to respect us. And, and this person said, no, we need to like be role models for us that we can respect. Give us a reason to respect you and, and we'll do the same with you. You know, um, it was like this desire for a mutual 
honor and respect. I'll add the, the word honor there. Um, and, you know, we can be so focused on and so... I, I'll say it's fear. It's back to the love versus fear thing. We're so full of fear because we look at, you know, maybe the younger generation and maybe it's your own kids and you feel like I failed. You know, what have I done? I was, I was even thinking of, you know, with our dogs here. Um, if you're animal people, some of you aren't, but if you are, you have a cat or dog or whatever, then you find yourself talking really sweet to them. You know, and, and you just, you want to hold them even when they're, have they have stinky breath and, you know, they're just. They pooped on the floor. <laughs> they do whatever, you know, you just, you just love them. And, and then you say things like, um, well, I'd be like that with my kids if they acted like my dogs do, you know, if they, they didn't talk back and they loved me and enjoyed me. But the truth is we have to err on the side. Like if we talk nicer to our animals and we enjoy the company of our animals more than we do our own young adults, our, our, the generation below us, I'm not just talking about your own kids, just all of them across the board, just like they are. Whether they're a mess, they're in process, or they're still figuring it out, or they're excelling. Wherever they are, they deserve to have a generation that's older than them that that speaks lovingly to them and that genuinely enjoys them without fear without shame of what a you know we've done this or or a resentfulness like well I don't know where you got that kind of behavior from like that way of talking to and about the next generation is He's just See, agreeing. He's agreeing. He's like, yeah, I feel the pain. <laughs> is is just not. It's not an option. It's not an option where we need to go. We need all hands on deck. We need the younger generation, and they need us. And the kingdom is multi generation, multi generational. If if it's not multi generational, then it's not truly kingdom. And so we have to lead the way in terms of how we love this generation well. Um, well that's well said, well said. Can you close us with what are you what do you think are, are a few ways that we can stay connected, even if let's say it's your own children and they go a completely different direction. You know, maybe they they have um, come out and said that they're gay or maybe they've said they're an atheist or maybe they refused to be responsible in the ways that you hoped that they would. They didn't go to college or they are still living at home and can't quite seem to get it all together. Wherever you are with your kids or with, in general, the kids of this generation, when they um, either choose to disconnect or we're tempted to want to disconnect, what what do you think is the best way to maintain connection? And is that a priority? It's a, a huge priority. I was thinking of, you know, Danny Silk's uh, 
truths and he has the KYLO keep your love on and the, uh, you know I think what I'm remembering it was applied towards couples mm -hmm. but it's really any anywhere there's a relational connection yeah. it's especially when there's any difference of opinion there is I think he points it out that every conversation is either it heads towards connection yeah. or away from connection, that the goal is connection. And so you know how that is in, in your marriages. You can be finger pointing an accusation and, and not validating there. And so with validation of, uh, of the other side, then there, there comes that opportunity in order, you know, but just thinking through that, this conversation, this opinionating that I'm doing towards the next generation, does this feed connection or does it feed disconnection? So you just ask yourself. And again, well, what the, the obvious, uh, I think Elizabeth sort of going there, the obvious reasons are there. It's like, they don't have, we're, we're used to even when, you know, what we come from, even when a, a generation will brag about the next day, yeah, they're married to so-and-so, they're doing this, they have this. And then there's sort of the, the time schedule when these things are supposed to happen. And, and now we have this next generation that uh, divorces once or twice or thrice, it seems to take marriages on as practice things as well. And, and then they're, again, they can be 30 and 35. Or not get married. And just or, or live not, together. Or, or yeah, uh, even as believers and Christians. And they can be 30 and 35 and, and still have not found uh, their niche. They're, they're still, uh, you know, they may be more into travel and visiting and doing uh, just little, we'll say, survival type uh, jobs and not really a career. So we have a hard time. Uh, um, giving them respect because the things that we respected are not showing up there. And, but we have to, we have to look, be able to look into the things that we're talking about, that it's, it's not just laziness. It's not just irresponsibility. Things that look like laziness, irresponsibility are choices not to embrace the same patterns and structure and traditions that our generation did because they look at the fruit of it. It's not something they, 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 they innately they are yeah. wired for something different. And so what they've done, and this is, again, for the millennials that listen to, and back to this is a different way of, of saying it, where they've overcompensated, spread the peanut butter too much or whatever, uh, there is a throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So they've seen sort of um, uh, the bathwater of the previous generation, what they don't want to do, but it, there has been this tendency to throw out the baby as well. That's why they're saying things to help us with the morals because that's really, mm -hmm. we're suffering a lot from that. We have difficulties from that. So it just becomes of great interest for our generation to be connectors in our conversation and not disdainers. They want the respect. They can feel the disdain. Oh, mm -hmm. is that another millennial? Mm -hmm. uh, they, they give up easily. They don't press through. Um, they, uh, through difficult times and, and, uh, you know, we, we can and, and the truth niche is, each other in those ways. We'll tend to project onto others, um, what we, how we think God thinks. And so if you find yourself being critical in those ways, then go to the Lord and ask him for his perspective on you and on them. And, and you'll find 
that he is so patient. I mean, there's never been a generation that has had it all together. There's never been a generation that didn't have weakness. And I would say that this generation of young adults has had to overcome more than any previous generation before. I I, I do sure. believe that. There is a reason why they're fragile. They've been more targeted they have by been the more enemy. Targeted by the the spiritual enemy satan and it has been through a natural enemy and we're about to find out more yeah. of that but they have literally been poisoned in so many ways their their hormones are have taken huge hits their um like i said the social media just the all the the brain neurological issues inflammation in their bodies that causes all kinds of disease and sickness. Um, and it's been intentional. In, They've in been women, targeted. the yeah. endometriosis, like we weren't meant to have, you know, horrible, excruciating periods. Women, that was not, it was never supposed to be that way. It wasn't just a part of the curse. Like something has gotten progressively worse. Um, and, and then the lack of the church's, the church's lack of ability to properly clearly communicate the real Jesus and a real assignment for them based on that real Jesus exactly and and so they they need connection even if at times they act like they don't assume that they do assume the best and um and have hope, carry hope in your eyes, carry hope in your tone, carry hope in your words that you speak into their lives. When you might even be tempted to feel the opposite, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I mean, they we cannot afford the luxury of looking at them with anything less than a hopeful perspective of them and of their future. And I believe that is is ultimately God's heart for them. It's just that sometimes we're slow to get God's heart. Yeah, we don't want to look at them through the grid kind of a report card. Uh, uh, you know, these areas of uh, of life, their relationships, okay, their D's and uh, on target for career objectives, F and uh, you know, see and and look at it through that grid. That's that's really. Um, you know, spiritually, that's a pharisaical way of uh, approaching God and a approaching life. Mm -hmm. And so we want not to look at that. We want to look at them the way the Lord looks at us. And if, if we really get advanced perspective on who he is, if our God view is healing, we realize um, we realize later in life, in early in life, I did think that's how God looked. Uh, you're, you're getting an yeah. F here. You're getting a D here. But then you realize he's just after our hearts. That's right. And he doesn't he doesn't really care what process has to... He, he's not looking at... Um, I'm sorry, you got several huge demerits. You did this, you got... Whether it's the divorce, you used to do drugs, you're, you, you have... You know, you did okay, but those demerits just really hang over you for forever. It's like having a felony charge on you. He's like, are we advancing... In our relationship, are we advancing and understanding each other's hearts? Are we advancing and connecting heart to heart? Are we advancing in love? And out of that connection, that's real and 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 not just 
a relationship with religion, but it's actually a relationship with Jesus. Out of that connection comes the morals. You just start doing the right thing because you love him so much and you know how much he loves you. And you have this, this um, shift in your, um, your plumb line where you just, you see good and you see evil and you don't want a part of anything that's not like him. And, um, you know, so I just, let's just pray um, for this generation. That's the best way to keep our hearts connected to them is to actually pray for them and to see the importance of our role is to actually serve them. When we fight for freedom in this nation, we are serving the next generation. And when we um, speak up and we speak truth in love, we are serving the next generation. And they may not know how to even recognize that that is us loving them, but they will one day. And there is a way, it may feel impossible, but there is a way to stay connected to your children, to your grandchildren, to the, to the young adults around you and not compromise on what you know to be true. You don't have to water down your own relationship with God while they're figuring theirs out. But you also don't have to polarize yourself from them because they're still figuring theirs out. There is a way to be real and approachable enough and not be so hyper-spiritual that you're, this generation of young adults don't even know how to talk to us. You know? Well, yeah. And we could, um, we could go on and on. We, we realize we haven't covered so many questions and so many situations that many parents face is like, what do they do when they're so out there in their exploring and going into sin and, and they have questions of, uh, do they allow them to live at home if they're doing this or that and the other? We haven't, we haven't gone into the, the nuances of yeah. all the, the it's situations. It's such a that, personal thing. It's personal. It's something you have to hear from the Holy Spirit on and you can't, uh, uh, you know, we know parents have had to say no to their kids who are in trouble because they come in there and they are, uh, whether it's drugs and then they have to worry about them uh, stealing from the house. So we know there's boundaries and, and things you have to set up at different times. Just don't do so from a legalistic standpoint. You do so from, try to think through, um, you know, our father's grid and think through what can I do towards connection, even if you That's have right. to do that. That's right. What, There's always some way to stay connected, whether it's even if you have I'll to draw be a line. here, yeah. I'll be here, and I will not stop loving you for one moment. I can't let you ready. do this, but I yeah. still love you yeah. and want to you know, be able to connect anyway. Yeah. So do you want to start praying? Yes. Okay. Holy Spirit, we um, just come up under your, your wing um, and allow ourselves to just feel your comfort because you understand our hearts and the, the potential weights that we carry because of concern and worry when we see, um, when we see the next generation and the choices that they're making. And, and we have so many reasons frequently to be afraid 
But we need to feel your comfort and your strength. We need to feel your um, your voice in, in our hearts that just reassures us, you got this, you got them. And that you have a plan and you know how to work your plan and you have strategy and ways that you are reaching them in in the ways that they can be reached and they can respond to you. And so we just, we, we come to you just thankful for who they are as a generation. We thank you for all of these young adults that are in our lives, that we have the opportunity and the privilege to love and to serve and to believe in and to cheer for. We want to be at the end of our lives just knowing that we loved them well and that we were conduits of your heart for them. We ask that you would make us faithful to intercede for them and to declare over them your plans and your future, your heart and your love towards them. Will you forgive us for ways that we have agreed with the enemy over them? Will you forgive us for doubting um, who you have promised that you would be to them? Will you forgive us for ways that we have um, not supported and loved them the way that you longed to through us? And would you teach us how to be um, examples and role models for them? How to lead the way from humility with a mutual honor and respect? Yes, Lord, we just speak your blessing over the next generation, the next generations, Lord. And we embrace your eyes of hope. Yes. We embrace your declarations, your decrees over them, Lord. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for uh, this amazing time in history. There, this really is a time of mm -hmm. before and after where the change coming the new era of the kingdom that's coming in is going to be so, so different in such a pronounced way mm -hmm. that this time will be remembered. So we know that you have these bridge generations in there mm -hmm. to assist, even though it looks like yeah. it, creating obstacles, but it's really to assist in this transition. And so we make the adjustments with you, Lord. Yeah. And we just, uh, we just uh, thank you that there is... Um, there is hope for even every parent, grandparent that is concerned over their children or their grandchildren mm -hmm. that are uh, either off in, in um, some safari adventure into other, other realities, other gods, other, other things that are not seemingly the path to, uh, uh, to proper life whether it's relationship, career, or whatever, and the concerns are there, those that are away from the Lord, the prodigals, Lord, it's on the heart of so many grandparents and parents. And we just thank you that um, this is something uh, where you speak into in a loud way, Lord, that you are desirous that we maintain our 
our, our trust and belief in mm -hmm. what you've spoken and promised over our children and over yeah. our grandchildren. Yeah. And we just thank you, Lord, that um, you are going to do a wonderful thing, a marvelous yes, thing in, the, yes. in this targeted generation, kind of these back-to-back, -back, yeah. very targeted generations, Lord, by the enemy, that these are the very generations where you're going to come in and do just yes, an unprecedented yes. work and, and just this mighty move of your spirit that's coming in. Yeah. We just declare over this generation, they are the promised generation. Yeah. They are the generation of the rainbow army, the rainbow army of God, that they are ones who will walk and and move forward, advancing the kingdom in every area of culture, and they will do it with joy. There will be um, true encounters with you, Jesus. They will be ones who will run they will run into your presence. Yes. They will shift the atmosphere. They will, they will be ones that light up the cities with your presence. They will be ones that will, will redefine church as we know it. And they will truly be the church outside of the four walls. We declare that they are the ones who will access out of their intimacy with you. They will access the solutions to every problem that is surfaced and that is diagnosed in these next several years, God. We declare that they are ones that will walk in supernatural health, that their, their bodies and their brains will function the way you originally created them to function. And we declare that they are the ones who will, um, who will usher in a level of your kingdom that we can't even know to dream of right now. Yeah. And we count it a privilege, God, to surround them, to lift them up, to cheer for them. To stand in the gap, God. We call them out from the prisons. The prisons that the enemy has, has put them in. Prisons of deception. Prisons of addictions. Prisons of, um, of false identities. Prisons of, of poverty. Prisons of um, perversion. We just declare that the walls of these prisons will fall and they will in turn fall at your feet, Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, before we're done, um, I was thinking of a couple things. Yeah. And one of them, some may have noticed when we started praying, you didn't notice it, but she started going through a little seizure. Oh, goodness. So if somebody noticed it, we, we did notice. She does. Don't be worried. But in it, there's a little story maybe you're supposed to tell. So it was our youngest daughter. I think she was about 16 years old. We were in, um, actually, I wasn't in the car. I was downtown L.A. I would not have allowed it. My generation, <laughs> thinking through my processing, was like, we cannot just take a dog like that. But there was no question. This, this youngest daughter of ours saw this dog, um in the street there, just laying there, ready to be run over and whatever. And so she just 
Jumped out in traffic. Jumped out in traffic, risks her own life. And there was just like no questions. There's not going to be asking authority if this is okay. It's like, no, that dog has got to be rescued. And so we have it till this day. We're glad We're glad she did it, even though I would have never done it, never given permission for it to happen if I had been in the car. <laughs> and so it's kind of, it, it speaks into the generational thing that we're, that we're talking about. It's true. Uh, so, so she has like little seizures, but they don't seem to you know, affect her too horribly. It's just pitiful to see. So yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, we've gone long. All right. All right. We'll see you next week for up for discussion. And, um, thanks for joining us. Yes.